Welcome to The B-Sides, a podcast for progressives who love pop music. We're your hosts. I'm Hannah. I'm Mimi. And I'm Becky. Tune in for new episodes every other Wednesday to hear our conversations on pop's place in our world. And the music you should put in your ears to fuel your reckoning with the trash fires all around us. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome to The B-Sides. Hello. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Swell. The Very sun swell. is down. Oh, it's 5, 19 p.m. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I miss the sun. Come back, Mr. Sun. Come back. Be here. And <laughs> by the time that this comes out, we'll be two days closer to Taylor Swift's re-record of Red, in the album which she has given us zero. And I, I cannot say this strongly enough unless... This is how I get into the ether that we will get a song before the full album comes out. Yep. No singles. No, no singles. She's given us nothing. Except a minute trailer without even a song. No song. For the 10 minute movie, which I will say I, I am extremely looking forward to, of course, but I can't help but be upset at our Lord. Not at Lord. 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 <laughs> yeah, not Lord with the A, but our, our Hashem. Right. Swift. <laughs> the other Jack Antonoff collaborator. <laughs> yeah. The one well, who's been let out of the basement. For, he's out. Yeah. Well, welcome to the B-Sides. The B-Sides is a podcast for not only for progressives who love pop, but for people who had really high hopes for Katy Perry's career into the 2020s when she dropped Never Really Over. And uh, we're we're slowly disappointed with everything that come came out next, but are still rooting for her even when she makes it really hard to. That's our that's our niche, I would say. I hope you, if you're listening to this, you feel like you fit into that. And if not, we're even more glad you're here. Um, we're very glad that all of you are listening today. So subscribe if you haven't already to stay in this podcast listening community and open up the description of this episode, the, you know, the podcast show notes, scroll up um, in your podcast app to find other ways to join this internet home. We do a lot on the internet together. And in today's episode, we relied heavily on our Instagram and our discord communities. So this is another pitch to follow us there, join the discord community, and you could hear your hot takes in a future episode. So today we're going to talk about how Katy Perry invented purposeful pop, the genre, more as a tool for relevance in her witness promotion, witness her album, than an actual political analysis, which in turn hurt both the political agenda she was pushing and the album itself. And we're going to unpack that together. So uh, we're going to do this in four parts. Part one, here's what you missed on Glee, a.k.a context aka um the last episode what we uh what we talked about and kind of teed up for this so um in episode 40 of the b-sides last episode mimi walked us through two specific flop eras um bionic by christina aguilera and i did a little bit of overview of witness by Katy perry and it was a story of what happens when pop stars reinvent themselves for a new era of their career but instead of a natural evolution or a next step it seems really forced and does not go well so um, if you're curious to hear our thoughts on Christina Aguilera, definitely listen to that episode. And I did cover Witness in that episode. So if you want to hear more about Witness and to hear um, from the angle of what we thought Katy Perry thought she was doing 
that is not what we're going to really talk about today. Go back and listen to episode four of me today. We're going to focus on the political analysis of the album. And we will go into more depth about the album itself, like what it tried and failed to accomplish and what she thought purposeful pop is, was, and other moments throughout pop history when pop stars have tried something similar. So let's do a quick recap of this album, Witness. Witness was her 2017 album. I believe it's her fourth studio album. I know we talked more about that in last episode. The singles you may or may not remember from this album include Change of the Rhythm, which featured Skip Marley, Bon Appetit, which featured Migos. And we talked about how gross that song was in the last episode. And Swish Swish, which was the Taylor Swift diss track. track. I had a really hard time just saying that. Swish Swish, the Taylor Swift diss track. (laughs) I don't know. That's hard to say. Um, she has some nice slow ballads also, including Miss You More and a song called Into Me You See, which is really cheesy, but is kind of, she has, her vocals sound nice. Um, Into Me You See is supposed to sound like intimacy. <laughs> Both Mimi and Becky made, oh, got it, got it, faces. Um, and she also has a song on that. She's like, a, f- a few of the B-sides are interesting, um, She has a song on this album called Pendulum that I thought was really funny after listening closely to the lyrics. So um, a a quick note uh, and side note, and then we'll come back to the song Pendulum. Something that I'm really excited about is that we decided um, to be sharing with you all, the listeners, the syllabus, the homework that we share with each other to listen to or read before every episode. So when Becky does an episode, she tells me and Mimi what to listen to or watch or, or anything like that or read. And, you know, we all do that for each other. And we thought, why not set, share that with you all? So we have shared that with you all in our Discord and some of it on our Instagram as well. So hopefully if you've done your homework for this episode, you'll enjoy it even more. Anyway, so Becky and Mimi, I actually asked you not to listen to Pendulum which I'm sure was very hard for you to do. Just kidding. Because I wanted to ask you like, and if, if I'm wrong that this doesn't make sense, then we'll just fail together on a hot mic. Like, what do you think a song called Pendulum would be about? I think it would be about swinging back and forth in love with someone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mimi, what would you think? Either that. Or it would be about how significant progress also comes with a white supremacist backlash. (laughs) But somehow I don't think that 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 is the message of the song or else we wouldn't be having this conversation and we would know that song better if it were that specific. It sounds like it's supposed to be a ballad. Are you going to like tell us that it's not a ballad? It's, It's not a ballad. It's definitely not a ballad. I wouldn't think it would be a ballad. Pendulums are like, they're moving, you know? I guess like when I think of Pendulum, I think of Wrecking Ball by Miley Uh Cyrus. Yeah, I could see that. So what's it about? Will you tell us? Yeah. So I just think it makes no sense based on what a pendulum is. Um, The chorus is, it's a pendulum. It all comes back around. It's a pendulum it's a pendulum. Life's a pendulum. It all comes back around. It's a pendulum. It all comes back. It all comes back. Okay. But the lyrics are about like, 
it's basically hustle girl keep doing stuff have a like have dreams you know never sleep like let things roll off your shoulders let things go you're really original it literally is nonsense is what I'm trying to say and both of yours like thoughts about what it could be make a lot more sense than what this song means and I don't understand how pendulum has anything to do with like following your dreams yeah a pendulum seems more like go with the flow than what it sounds like it is which is like girl boss into infinity and like only going in one direction only kind of you know well in her defense that is kind of what she's trying to say like the pre-chorus is so don't try and reinvent your wheel because you're too original baby just stay classic ain't broke don't fix it your highs your lows just ride it it's, it's a pendulum oh do you think that makes more sense? I think that one moment makes sense, but yeah. everything else uh, sounds like nonsense. And I and I don't think the idea of like, I don't know. I guess life is paradoxical and whatnot. But it, but it, it is contradictory advice. It sounds like to be like, just like go for it, girl boss. Don't sleep, and just go with the flow. I guess you can do both, but I don't know how. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> the first line of the entire song. Can you please help me understand it? You got patina ain't so green. Nah. <gasps> patina is the name of the company that runs the events at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Really? Yeah. Do you think that has to do with like the Statue of Liberty? Oh, is that what patina means? I mean, patina is like when copper, isn't that, you know, when copper is like green. Oh, okay. So you got patina ain't so green. Nah. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know means. what that means. The reason I'm doing this deep dive. <laughs> oh yeah. Mimi, what were you going to say? No, I'm just laughing. I'd like to know what it means, but I, I somehow, I think that digging into this further will, um, like us trying to figure it out. All of us will do, will, will lead us nowhere. It's like a wisp yeah. of smoke smoke and mirrors is this album it's like swish swish (laughs) yes the reason I wanted to deep dive into that song was one because I was listening to it and I was like could Becky and Mimi figure this out or is it just me like I don't get this when I actually listen to it but the lyrics in this um (laughs) addendums to your dreams lol yeah we're now reading the lyrics together um it's really so one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this song was because it's nonsense. And a lot of the songs on this album are nonsense. And Mimi was, uh, had a good insight that maybe it's because they're written with Max Martin, who has a history of making lots of great pop, but little nonsense pop. I don't know, Mimi, if you want to share more about that insight. Yeah, I just think, I don't know if this has changed in 20 years, um, but you know, like he did baby one more time. He did. I want it that way. These songs are hits, but they don't mean anything. And they sound like someone who doesn't have a grasp on idioms in the English language. Um, Cake by the ocean. Cause that was what he thought the, the drink sex on the beach was called. 
exactly. There you go. And, and so, and that's completely understandable, by the way, like idioms are hard and English is a weird and hard language, but um, if you're trying to make like, if, if the press campaign is like, this music is purposeful, but the message is this muddled all the way throughout, that becomes a problem where it's not on, I want it that way, you know? So that's what I think it might be because it does kind of sound like it was written by either Max Martin or, um, like a bot, a bot impersonating a a pop star, you know? Yeah. The line, there's no need to hurry if there's a fire burning because it goes on and on, comes all the way around. Actually, if there's a fire burning, it's great to hurry. That's like an important time to hurry in your life. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I would say it's probably like a top three time to hurry. Time to hurry. It's crazy how much stuff Max Martin has actually produced and written. Yes, I know. He's he has his hands in all of our culture, everything. Well, that was a fun exercise. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I thought that was a good way of us kind of entering into this um, bizarre and interesting and unclear what she was trying to do album. Um, Some more thoughts that I have when listening to this album. She really sings completely in idioms the whole way through, like every line. I'm, I'm this is a hyperbole, of course, but it's like. I think it's pretty true. So many of these lines are idioms or phrases, but it's all a little Mimi. I think this was your phrase about this earlier that it's all uncanny Valley. It's all just like, it's a little off, which is tough for something that she really was trying to bill as like her truth, her raw truth. And it's just unclear what she's trying to say. Um, Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? I guess that that doesn't have a huge track record of like really yes but she was not argue not trying to make purposeful pop when she made that song I think but I think she did in some ways is that song about environmentalism in that (laughs) like the plastic bag is like ready to start again drifting through the wind ready to start again or whatever it is that's so purposeful that's like the, that's yeah. the same kind of subtext here where it's like it's more it's like way too much work trying to figure out the subtext that yeah. you just realize perhaps there is none you know yeah do you th- so do, are you saying that you don't think firework was about a circular economy <laughs> moving towards that model is that not it firework and teenage dream are two of the best songs so good i cry Out every there. time still i still cry and last friday night that's right. I forgot you're a big last Friday night stand. It's a great song. I music yeah. video. Yeah. Well, that actually, so I, the fact that you mentioned those songs, I do want to talk about because, you know, this, this album did not do as well. That's why we talked about it in our last episode about flops. Like it was not a huge hit. And one of, and there's a lot of reasons why Katy Perry just had a hard time transitioning to the late 2010s and to the 2020s now. I think that like interestingly when I was listening to this album, I was really thinking about how her niche up until this point had been essentially like karaoke songs. Like songs you want to scream, you want to sing in the shower, you want to sing in the car, you want to sing in a group setting. But these songs are impossible to sing along with and very unpleasant to sing along with. I find the way she articulates her lyrics to be bizarre. 
Um, I started to take a lot of notes about all the times she articulates her lyrics. And I decided that no one was really interested in that. So I just have two examples that I'll share and just trust me. And I'm happy to share like all of the notes app note that I took of listening to this album being like all the times that she was said it weird. So for example, on miss you more, she has a line that goes, I pressed play. I should have not So first of all, haven't is the wrong, um, you know, uh, emphasis, but then also it's not, I should haven't it's, I shouldn't have, it's not, I should haven't. Right. Hannah, in this Google doc, I thought that was your note about the song. Yeah. Like I press play. I shouldn't have. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that is how I felt. Actually. I like Missy more. I will say. Um, that is so funny. Um, I also think Miss You More is <laughs> Miss You More is also an example of it being uncanny valley because like the in the chorus, like a lot of the words literally all make sense and would be used all the time in a pop song, but don't make any sense. Like, what does it mean to say I miss you more than I loved you? I tried to figure out what that means and I was like, I have no idea what that means, what that I feeling like is. You like it? I don't yeah. know what it means. I think it means like the bigness of how much I miss you is not in correct proportion with how much we were in love at the time we were together. And the missing is so big. And I have to remind myself that the love was not actually big enough to warrant how much I miss you. Interesting. Okay. It okay. doesn't, it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for me, but I could see, I can now see it working for someone else. You press play. You should haven't. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, the other example of this, and then I really do want to hear what else you thought uh, listening to this album was on the song "Bigger Than Me." Oh, I remember it. She goes, "I'm kicking and screaming," and it's like it's kicking, kick, kicking. You're kicking and screaming, not kicking and screaming. It sounds like a cocoon or so. It's like a not. It's not a word. She puts the emphasis on really weird syllables. This entire album so I'm curious what else you all noticed about listening to this album or the song nothing because it's a snooze <laughs> I have to say I do like I do like change the rhythm I thought that's like a pretty standard like Bobby song it's not as good as like we were talking about before that like when you really think of Katy Perry you really think of pop songs that you can like scream and sing along to none of these really are there though Swish Swish has made a resurgence on TikTok so Witness is getting some plays because there's the soundbite with Nikki section that's like getting it's it's mainstreaming a little bit. But um, yeah, it's kind of a snooze of an album, which is what we talked about last episode. Yeah, and I think um, I don't remember if she enunciates weirdly in this song. I'm sure she does. But in Hey, Hey, Hey. Uh, which I think is the second song. It's like, again, it's a bot. It's like Marilyn Monroe in a monster truck. What does that mean? And then she is like- Is that the one where yeah. she says karate chopping all the cliches, but I do it in <laughs> heels or something? Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's such a cliche. What are you doing? Right. And then she like refers to herself from someone else's perspective, I think as a baby, 
but then like she takes criticisms of herself and one of them is that she's a baby and one is that she's a woman and I was like are babies and women the same is that what we're saying here um that's that's the gist of what I remember there but yeah it's 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 a really fun house strange lyrically and and uh in terms of her you know articulation like you point out it's very bizarre so I know for a fact there are many people including some of our listeners who like this album a lot I did ask on Instagram if people who liked the album could just like DM us and let us know why or just literally anything just make themselves known and I will say the only people who said anything to us were people who didn't like this album so if you like this album I would I would still love to hear why and I and I would love if you could recommend some songs for us to re-listen to or anything that you'd like you know we want your opinion to be reflected so DM us at listen to the b-sides on Instagram so that's the overview of this album let's get to part two part two of this episode is the context politically of where and and just culturally of what was up in 2017 now 2017 was not that long ago but it was just long enough ago for it to be like out of our immediate brains. So I want to talk about what the what the context of music was, pop music in 2017. So Becky and Mimi, I want to play a short game of, can you remember what might have been some of the biggest albums of 2017? So I'm curious. I told you not to Google this. Maybe you did. I hope you didn't. Um, can you Can you guys just try to guess? Like what were some of the biggest albums or songs of 2017 that you remember? This is when Reputation came out, right? Yes. Reputation came out in 2017, and I'm pretty sure Melodrama came out in 2017. Those are the only albums that I listened to. Okay, I will add to that with, when I first saw this question, I was like, I went totally blank. I was like, I have no idea. Those two, and then, I though I only remembered Reputation, and then sam smith's album which i listened to that fall the thrill of it all and liked a lot and then uh i think this was earlier kendrick lamar's damn came out earlier this year that year that's all i know so of the top 10 albums you got the number two and three which was damn was number two and three was reputation um, on the top 10 albums of the year, Reputation is the only one by a female artist. That's it. Lori, Melodrama didn't come out in 2017. It did. It's not top 10 on oh, the wow. chart, on the Nielsen top 10. Wow. Can you think of like, or we're, we're all, do you want me to share the other, the other albums in the top 10? Damn. Can, can you, what's the genre of number one? Um, he's pop. He's a little folky and he likes math. Is it Bon Iver? Bonnie Bear. Bonnie Bear. I don't know how to say his name. No, no, no. Um, oh my God, it's Ed Sheeran. It's Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Oh, it's Ed Sheeran. Was there I don't a Bruno... remember which math that was, but it was yeah. math. It was, was there Dubai. a Bruno Mars album? Yes. 2017 24 Karat Magic. Yes. yes. And then the other ones are, they're great albums. They're, it's, so number one, Ed Sheeran, number two, Kendrick Lamar, three, Taylor Swift, four, Drake, more life, five, Bruno Mars, six, Post Malone, seven, Migos, 
Eight, The Weeknd, Starboy, great album. Nine was a soundtrack to Moana, so maybe you could say that's a, there's females involved. Yeah. And 10 was um, Khalid, American Teen. Yeah, Post Malone, sneaky in there. I forgot that 2017, yeah. There's only one there. So, I mean, if you, if you just listen to that list, pop barely belongs on that list and women don't belong on this list. So Katy Perry definitely doesn't belong on this list. And the other thing I wanted to share was more guesses. This is the, this is like, I'm going to ask you to guess something. There's no, no way you would know the answer to just for fun. Um, of the top, I was looking at the top hundred songs, as you can see from this, like women are not in the top, like, you know, it was hard for to be a woman on these like charts at this time. What do you think is the highest number, highest ranked number of a song by a woman in the top hundred? Like, and, and can you guess what that song was? But even if you want to just guess, like what, what was the number of the highest ranked song by a woman? I feel like it's delicate by Taylor Swift. No, no. Green light by Lord. No. Where do you think, like, what would be the first number that a woman would finally crack it? 27. Mimi's close. 24. 24 is the highest ranked song by a woman. Well, we all know that reputation. That's a conversation for a different day. We all know the critics didn't like it and it was a masterpiece. Yeah, it's true. So the highest ranked, it was Bodak Yellow. Oh. oh, so one of the biggest songs like of all time was the yeah. only way a woman could even crack the top 30, basically. And the next one, actually, it's interesting. The next one by a woman is 29. Julia Michaels issues. Mm. That was a great song. That you single handedly put it at number 29. Yeah. Love her. <laughs> and then you interestingly, love her. the other thing I noticed that I just want to share is that um, up until 24, I, th- I think this, like, there were some women who were involved. It was all women who were featuring on other things. It was very big in 2017, especially. So Halsey on Closer, Alessia Cara on Stay, Rihanna on Wild Thoughts, Taylor on I Don't Want to Live Forever. So that, if you want to count that as higher than, than she, then whatever, because Taylor was involved. And Selena Gomez on It Ain't Me. So all those songs, like, were in the top like higher than, than Bodak yellow. But the reason I'm sharing all this is just to say, this was like not a friendly environment for anything by Katy Perry to come out, but anything by a woman, anything pop, and especially not like whatever weirdness, nonsense songs, this album was coming out. Like Taylor Swift would like only broke the top 10 because she's Taylor Swift and can like, and everybody will buy everything she said, she, she puts out. I think that's like, this was not a friendly environment to this kind of music. Mm. So that's the, the music of this moment. 2017 is also a highly contentious moment for like the world. <laughs> it's the context in which the B-sides was launched, not to insert myself into everything, but just this was a moment where I think it was really a watershed moment where even more people started to want to actively reconcile their politics and their values with every part of their lives. Like, I think that was a thing. Yeah, I think it was a very specific time where a lot of people were trying to, like, recover or they were confused about something when the writing was kind of on the wall. And so I think a lot of people were looking for either 
escapism or more concrete stances, explanations and solutions for like what was happening um, with Trump and beyond in the media they consumed. And this Katy Perry moment was none of the above. It was like, I don't know. I, I think that I and maybe others reacted to it as like, okay, either go back to Candyland Teenage Dream, which we all loved receiving, um, which is not required. Or if you're going to, you know, market pop as purposeful, state a purpose, like be specific. And Katie was like, no, and no. So that's what we got. We got witness. I think it's when a lot of rich people were like, shit, I should start paying attention to things in ways that I know how, AKA I'm going to produce an album that tries to say things when it, when it really doesn't say anything. But I think if anything, it, it, it's just scratch scratched an itch that she had and, you know, was probably a way that she thought was like do centering herself and doing something good for the world when you could have just, donated a ton of your money, which I'm sure I don't, I don't know. She, she did or she didn't. I'm going to, I'm going to guess she probably did donate some money, but whatever. We could have lived without witness. You yeah. could not have lived without Ed Sheeran's 2017 album though. You, you're Castle on the Hill fan. I like Castle on the Hill. I love that song. I really <laughs> do actually. Um, yeah. So I think one more thing just to share about this context, uh, to put a very fine point on it. Um, this 2017 is of course the year of me too. And those kinds of, um, conversations, uh, in general, but also about the entertainment industry specifically now witness, um, came out before then. So witness comes out like post women's March pre me too. And I just think it, yeah, it kind of, it shows in some ways, if that makes sense. So let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into what Katy Perry thought purposeful pop was and what she tried to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. Let's talk about purposeful pop. So just to share, um, uh, put a, put a fine point on some of the pieces we were talking about earlier. I just want to be clear about like what I think did, didn't work from this album, especially if you haven't listened to it. Cause most of us haven't or haven't in a while. Um, this is an album that has a lot of songs that are introspective in some ways. And it's important for Katy Perry to understand that introspection is not politics and that's okay. It doesn't have to be. And sometimes it can be, but sometimes it's not. There's one song in particular. I do think people should listen to if they're curious about list about like following along with this, which is her song called bigger than me. It's exactly what it seems. It's not like pendulum where you can't figure out what the song's about. It's really just about, there's something bigger than me. She's a part of like, she's one piece of grain of sand in the world and, and things like that. 
And it really sounds like an 18 year old who has like gone off to liberal arts school for the first time. I think I said this in the last episode also like, like, you know, cuts her hair, like, and it's just like, I'm part of something bigger. It's really, really juvenile in my opinion. And Katy Perry's a grown ass woman in 2017, like, and worldly and experienced and has seen the world. And it's just really surprising. And all of her publicity around this album too comes off as someone who is like really young and really naive, which is a disappointment. So as we just went over of all the 2017 music and politics context, that's the context that Katy Perry releases Witness. It's her fourth studio album. And on the red carpet for Grammys uh, 2017, she teases her forthcoming album and says it's going to be full of purposeful pop. And as a side note, I just want to like kind of in her defense, because I think a lot of our argument today is that this marketing campaign around purposeful pop is a fail. I actually like really couldn't find, she didn't say it that much. She said it on the Grammys red carpet before the album even came out. She did not make a big deal. Now I do think she tried to infuse a sense of purpose into this album, but in her defense, she wasn't like going around everywhere being like, this is purposeful pop. So I just want to say that Um, during her album uh, promo for this album, Katy Perry was talking to a radio station. Mimi, do you want to read what she said? Of course. She said, this was after the election and I was kind of depressed. And, you know, I definitely didn't want to write a club banger. Um, So that's what she said. And then about Chain to the Rhythm specifically, she said, the more you dive into it, it has a different subtext. And we were talking about this the other day. Like, there is no subtext to Chain to the Rhythm. It's it's text. It's just text. And it's barely anything at that. She's, she's trying to say we're all chained to the rhythm. Okay, great. That's not subtext. Just because you have like a message. It doesn't make it subtext. And sometimes you feel like a plastic bag. Like it's the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like she, she's trying to make this like deeper than it is just because there's a message. Yeah. You know, um, Katy Perry was in New York City with the Clinton campaign for election night of 2016. She held hands with Lady Gaga as she watched it all come back. Um, and so she posted on Twitter kind of about that. Uh, I'm sorry, this was, I think, on Instagram um, and and about how it connects to her album. Becky, do you want to read what she posted on Instagram? I left covered in a blanket of sadness and despair because for me, and I imagine others, the results triggered a lot of dormant fears and emotions to the surface. I feared that we were never, that we were not ever going to see the light of, of justice or fairness. I felt vulnerable, confused, and frightened like a child. It's funny. Sometimes people who disagree with me say, shut up and sing. (laughs) Boy, will I do so in a whole new way next year. Hell hath no fury like a woman reborn. So you both have like listened to a lot of the, these songs. Do you feel like this album has anything to do with that? Like, do you feel like this was her shutting up and sing and, and hell hath no fury, like a woman reborn? Cause that what this album does to for you? No. <laughs> do for Katie. Yeah. Cause my expectations for her are so low that I'm not surprised that when she was like, I'm going to be reborn, like this is what she came out with. Yeah. 
And I, I don't know, I guess if this is her way of like, when she says, I fear we were never going to see the light of justice or fairness. Um, even though that election night was like rough to be sure for all of us, very upset, like it's kind of like welcome to the party of wondering if we were ever, we will ever realize justice or fairness, you know, it's like not new, um, but maybe it was new to her. So in that sense, I feel like her having this realization maps onto this album because it's clear that this is like a new ish idea for her maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it's an ambitious statement and I, I don't think it lives up to it. Hannah, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it lives up to it. I think that, yeah, I, I think that she really conflates self-reflection with, uh, listen, I'm not saying she has to come out with like uh, uh, an economic analysis of like, you know, here's why I think that like a, a social democracy would be the best way forward for us in a pop song. Like, I don't I don't need that much, but Actually, I think I want to quote um, Maria Sherman, who's a writer who wrote a piece in Complex about this. And Maria said, at no point does she direct her frustrations anywhere specifically. There's nothing concrete in the language. To create purposeful music, you need to state a purpose, which is kind of what you were saying earlier, Mimi, too. That it's there. There's nothing there. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing there, which makes it just a little frustrating for me as a listener who does who who is political that 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 this was in any way trying to be that because it I think it failed totally and now I'm trying to remember if I came to that thought on my own or I read this article and then decided it was like my unique thought later any it either way it stands either way it stands absolutely probably the latter love that love that for you know for us um so something also interesting about this and what else I want to talk about with um, this failed political awakening for her that is that in the same moment in her Witness album promo as a part of the live stream that we talked about in the last episode for Witness, she is diving deeper into problematic relationships with race and racism. And she's diving into her own culpability in in perpetuating racism. So she's talking about you know she's reckoning with the fact that she wore dreadlocks in the video for how we do wearing a geisha geisha costume in a performance of unconditionally she's talking about her missteps publicly and specifically but also at the same time and we have to talk about this she's trying to make music that i think really cheaply and inauthentically reaches for black rooted sounds and images and vibes and one example of that was her bizarre snl performances of Bon Appetit and Swish Swish, which were so cringy. I cannot overstate how much I wanted to close my YouTube tabs when watching these, but I felt obligated to watch the whole thing for, you know, the pod. I mean, this is the performance where, if you remember where we got the gif of Katy Perry being truly bizarre with like weird facial expressions and dance moves while Migos is around her rapping. I spelled rapping like a present. I didn't mean that. Um, and I think we'll post that gif on Instagram so you can see it. What did you all think of the SNL performances? You said it beautifully. Um, the flossing moment, I remember watching it 
in 2017. And in retrospect, I think that was my introduction, my like full introduction to Gen Z culture. But um, no, I totally agree. Like Becky said, like you said, I think you said it perfectly. I love like basketball related content, but not like this, not like this. And then when you learn later that isn't it that Migos wouldn't do wouldn't be a part of uh I'm pausing because I'm trying to think of which one I think it was swish swish because there were drag queens that she brought on stage and Migos wouldn't uh be a part of it because he's bigoted and so I think that's that's interesting on top of everything we're talking about and the idea that this has like any kind of social justice bent. Um, and I believe that these performances were the last time that the two of them performed together, like was on SNL. And like, Wait, I, really? I know hindsight is 2020 for this, but Nicki Minaj also has questionable mm-hmm. politics. Nikki was not, she didn't perform with them, but you're right. Yeah. N- yeah. Which is so sad for me, by the way, maybe we could do another episode about this in the future. Nicki Minaj was like so important to me. It's been very hard to not root for her anymore. Mm-hmm. I did not know that Mimi about Migos. I don't know which which one of Migos, but yeah, that's that's really nuts. Yeah, the whole the whole group, the whole group. Great. Yeah. Oh goodness, even better. Um, uh, so there's a really good quote about this um, from a writer named Keith Murray who wrote in, uh, in BET, in an article on BET. Um, Becky, can I ask you to read this quote from Keith Murray? When the Huggable One, Katy Perry, collaborated with hip-hop standouts like Snoop Dogg, California Guns, Kanye West, E.T., and Juicy J, Dark Horse, which is a great song. It you was- said California Guns, which is really <laughs> funny, but I think you meant girls. <laughs> Scary. Scary. Here am I. You're right. California. Well, you know why I said guns? And this is an interesting mind. It's G-U-R-L-S. So in my mind reads G-U-N and auto fills it to guns. Just, uh, you know how the mind works. Um, it was all done on equal seamless fitting, like David Bowie's mid seventies exploration of Philly soul watching Perry's confusing SNL showcase. It was hard to believe that you were witnessing the same woman who brazenly feel good music. You once compelled a bar filled with black folks to sing along to, to anthemic fist pump of hit roar. Right. That was like, really hard for me to read. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it, right. What he's trying to say is like when she made music that was authentic to her, authentic to her collaborators, everyone can enjoy it. But when you're inauthentically trying to reach for a specific demographic or a specific sound, everybody hates it. (laughs) That's not exactly what he was saying, but I think a little bit. So it's at this point that Katy Perry is trying to make a genre called purposeful pop. And the question is, is she is, is she inventing this from scratch? Is she fulfilling a legacy of other artists doing this successfully Like, what does she think her purpose is? Or is she just another pop star who has tried and failed to bring a political analysis into her celebrity image? So Becky and Mimi, you've you've some context for us of moments when this has been more or less successful. Um, I think Mimi, do you want to share some of your context that you've learned about purposeful pop pop or brought to us? 
Yes, I would. Um, I tried to find out if purposeful pop existed as an actual word pair before Katy Perry, but all roads lead back to this witness era. So clearly that was a soundbite on the Grammy red carpet that just really took off. Um, But when you take the quotes off of purposeful pop, other artists absolutely have done it in ways we can consider successful. So if we like actually define purposeful pop in a way, like it could be that they're critiquing oppressive systems like capitalism, standing behind oppressed groups, questioning social realities, offering specific and substantive political analysis through song. So just a few examples, like we could think of Beyonce's Lemonade or Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer, drawing from their personal experiences, honoring Black joy, celebrating Black women's resilience lyrically and sonically against the backdrop of patriarchal white supremacy that gives, you know, marginalized groups so so little empathy. Or the chicks taking on the issue of domestic violence and Goodbye Earl and then violence abroad, imperialism, the Iraq war specifically blind patriotism in their top of the world tour for home and then taking the long way or Janet Jackson, Madonna and Lady Gaga all becoming gay icons. Funny enough, I I learned through this that they all have gay icon Wikipedia pages. It's like (laughs) Lady Gaga as a gay icon. Janet Jackson, I didn't get to share here. Um, So that's my one regret, but Janet, as early as the 90s, with songs like Together Again, honoring AIDS victims and their loved ones and donating sales money to research. Um, Madonna with music videos like Vogue or God Control. Lady Gaga with Born This Way, each of them making kind of consistent like public service announcements or working for nonprofits, making statements, organizing with rallies and petitions. And then finally, some of the some of the men, some of the white men talk about here, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, John Mellencamp's Pink Houses, Green Day's American Idiot. All of these are like very specific in their own ways, criticizing the American dream as a sham, a mirage, another means of exploiting workers under capitalism or encouraging blind patriotism to really sinister ends. So, you know, these are just a few examples and some of these artists are pulling from deeply personal experiences and others are reckoning with issues and identities that exist primarily beyond themselves or they're they're of a more privileged group but in each case they stood for something specific and did not center themselves aka like they did not eclipse the cause at hand um so you know they were thoughtful and they were recognized as such and many of these artists have benefited too as a result but more in a rising tide lifts all boats kind of way um, than not. So yeah, I just think making sure you know what you're talking about and being specific in your words and actions can help make well-received, not quote-unquote purposeful pop possible. Yeah, I love, thank you for sharing those because it's a great reminder that Katy Perry actually could have been a part of that legacy. Seems like she thought she might maybe was, but did like no research or like, uh, yeah, real work that could have inserted herself. I mean, the truth is, and I think we talked about this in the last episode, 
that Katy Perry probably wrote a lot of these songs pre-election and then after the election tried to like shoehorn a message instead of of just saying this was the piece of content I created. So Becky, can you tell us about the legacy she did unfortunately and become a part of, which is the times when other people have tried and failed to do this? You know, I bet there's a lot, but also in doing my research, like Mimi purposeful pop, it seems really the the term at least like uh, began and ended with Katie. Um, But I have a few examples of some artists who like Katie, I think center themselves in songs about political change and it's on the more cringy side and we have to criticize Taylor for think you need to calm down really fits in this category. She like pretty much makes a song about herself. Yes. She did help get that change.org petition signed, which she talked about when she won the Grammys, but that song, I it's kind of like chained to the rhythm. I think where it's kind of like, what subtext are you really making it about when it's honestly about you? Um, and the song same love by Macklemore Macklemore has kind of a history of doing this in a lot of his songs of, uh, having like some kind of, uh, experience of like, I want to say like adversity that's not about him, but yet he somehow makes it about him. And that's kind of what the song same love is about. And that whole entire 2012 album, although I do love it. And one thing that I came across in my research in a song, I'm not honestly that not that familiar with, but I know you guys are more of is Justin Timberlake's uh, whole album that in the woods or whatever that album is called. The song is called supplies man of the woods. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah. And the song is called supplies. And I was reading a Forbes article about it. And I thought this guy actually sums it up pretty well. Um, And he says, suggested that perhaps Timberlake suggested that perhaps he wasn't trying to rebrand as a rugged, rugged man, but as a woke man, which is even more problematic considering his recent partnerships. Singer drew criticism earlier this month for wearing a Time's Up pin to the Golden Globes while keeping silent on the sexual abuse allegations levied against director Woody Allen, whose 2017 film Wonder Wheel stars Timberlake, which I didn't even know that. Did you guys remember that movie? I didn't. Uh, Alan's adopted daughter, Dylan Farrow, even degraded the singer on Twitter for her silence. Meanwhile, his lyrics and supplies suggest that Timberlake is only interested in being a feminist when it can bolster his sex appeal. And when I flagged this earlier in our conversations, I think we can have a whole conversation about Man of the Woods and Justin Timberlake in general, which is what makes it even more cringe that he was trying to like rebrand himself in 2018 as this like woke person uh, and by centering himself too. But that said, I think there were more people doing it better than worse. I think Katie is in a small club, which is good. Yeah. I think she is in a small club and she is this version of purposeful pop, much like Justin Timberlake, her contemporary uh, was about centering herself chain to the rhythm is vague swish swish and bon appetit and some of these other songs are more like individual beauty girl bossy and even ones like bigger than me ostensibly about something bigger than her are very i and me which goes along with him with what hannah you said about like an 18 year old coming to a realization um I don't mean to insult any 18 year olds who are listening. I think that you're brilliant. 
I love you. But I just think Katy Perry was not 18 when she wrote that song. (laughs) And that's what's weird. Right. It's just that like her frontal lobe is fully developed and therefore she should have better judgment. And yours is not if you're 18. And that's that's a part of this. Um, But all of this very like I and me, it makes sense when you think of how this album dropped around. I think the time that Woke went from being a progressive to a co-opted liberal term and now a co-opted term that the right uses as well, that many of us distance ourselves from because of how overused it was. And let me clarify, when the right co-ops it, they're like turning it into a derogatory term. And now also kind of when liberals are using it. So for another time, but you know, this was a time when a lot of people were doing the bare minimum to indicate like, I am not a white supremacist, whether they were public figures or not. And this is an exercise that happened again during the summer 2020 racial justice movement. So I think what I, what I didn't realize in the last episode we did, but what has like come to me through thinking about this episode is like this album and its press is kind of like one of those weak diversity and inclusion statements where it's like the most minimal lip service with no action behind it very like self-conscious very like optics focused although the optics are bad but like that's what that's what she was maybe focusing on but not productively like not productively self-conscious for the greater good you know um so that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at here with her centering herself I don't know if you guys have any additional thoughts. I think part of what was happening was that she was, she was, she was aware of her relevance. I'm sure. And we've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again. It's really hard to be really famous and to sustain that kind of level of fame, especially when you're a woman. So I think she was worried about her becoming less relevant. I think that that was kind of happening. I think that's also why she reached for some EDM stuff, some hip hop stuff, because the music itself, yeah, it was a different sound. Like it was already, you know, just, just a few years, I don't know, six years, seven years after California girls, but a totally different sonic landscape. And so she was trying to force relevancy by adding this at the end of the day, very meaningless container around the album. Our fourth and final part, how this album was received. Spoiler alert, which was badly. Although there were actually read some reviews of it that were speaking quite well, but I just want to share some great choice, choice reviews that I think will be interesting to folks if you have enjoyed this conversation so far. So um, Pitchfork did a review. Now, in a lot of instances, fuck Pitchfork. In a lot of instances, yay, Pitchfork. It's different every time. Um, In this instance, I do happen to agree with them. So I thought there was a really funny sentence um, or I I thought it was very like encapsulating. So I decided to um, make it a Mad Libs for Becky and Mimi and make you guess two of the adjectives in this sentence based on what you know about this album. Okay, so I'm going to read the sentence with the Mad Libs with the blanks and you'll have to guess what they are. Okay, Pitchfork writes. On her fourth album, the pop superstar finds a more blank sound, but struggles to come up with lyrics that aren't plain blank. Guesses, thoughts. 
First word is robotic. Second word is gibberish. Uh, those are great. I think the first word is something like unique. And then the second word is maybe, I was going to say contrived, but it's not plain contrived. Superficial. So Mimi's guess is the pop superstar finds a more unique sound, but struggles to come up with lyrics that aren't plain superficial. And Becky's guess is the pop superstar finds a more robotic sound, but struggles to come up with lyrics that aren't plain gibberish. Okay. Well, none of you got it exactly, but I wouldn't have necessarily expected you to. The quote is on her fourth album, the pop superstar finds a more unifying sound, kind of a compliment. I know, but struggles to come up with lyrics that aren't plain cringeworthy. Oh, <laughs> so actually Becky with your gibberish, like, I don't think that's, I don't think that was that off. And actually, I think when you mix gibberish with contrived, you get cringeworthy. So <laughs> I, guess, I think we all got yeah, it. I think we all got there in the end. And let me say that I love this Mad Libs idea. I think it's a great idea and I'm stealing it for future episodes. Go for it. Go for it. I love that. Um, yeah. So I think part of what was so discordant about this whole thing and that we've been talking about so far is that, and, and we weren't the only ones to feel this way, is that the music just doesn't jive with anything purposeful at all. So in some ways, it was really the branding that failed her here because the album is chaotic and also in some ways like quite run of the mill and there it just didn't live up to the type. So there's two quotes I think that we should um, unpack. Mimi, do you want to read this first quote from a Billboard article for us? Yes. So it says, all of this would have been fine if Katy Perry had not broadcast that Witness would be anything besides a chaotic, self-centered record where no fucks, F-U-X, to be clear, were to be given. Her first parental advisory sticker, particularly driving the latter message home. This suggested move would have earned the entertainer more leniency leading up to the final unveiling of Witness. Instead, we witnessed a problematic individual trying to dress up her internal conflicts, past controversies, and borderline Britney 07 behavior by masking it all and assuming the role of a social commentator. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think, I think we can all agree here that this makes sense, except for bringing Britney into it. Let's not, let's not do that here. Yeah. That part was really rude. I almost debated like cutting it out. And then I was like, no, that's what the author said. We have to quote it. But yeah, it's good to know when people can be like really right about something and then like, um, like take a sharp turn into a bad analogy. Um, But yeah, I think, I think it mostly makes sense. And I think on that note um, to continue uh, from the pitchfork review, Becky, do you want to read this, this quote? One third of the 15 tracks have vaguely empowered themes, the best of which power approximates feminism by politicizing a personal struggle for control with witnesses co-founding combination of songwriting sloppiness and sleepiness. Broad strokes are really the best Perry can hope for these days. Yikes. Yeah. So this is, this is yikes. And I'm really curious. I, I don't know how Katy Perry like reconciled all of this. Um, but I think we've covered today that there's just nothing purposeful or political about the album. Of course, we believe and want to make it clear that it's better for pop stars to be more political than not and to vocalize their values. 
But what's worse than politicizing something is to politicize something that ends up being like just regular and even bad or like a little introspective. Individual reflection can be a key part of political cycles, but it's not an actual step in activism. It doesn't motivate others to take action. It doesn't illuminate anything about our society. And ultimately, it feels like an artist centering themselves in something that is, like the title of her song, a lot bigger than her. And that's that on Witness. Other thoughts about Witness before we close today? I'm looking forward to never thinking about Witness again. I'm now thinking about, um, yeah, I think we can close this chapter soon, but I'm, I'm now thinking about like unifying as a descriptor for this album. It's kind of yeah weird if that was also the, the purpose because, because unifying can be good and bad. It wasn't unified. It was a verb. It was, yeah, right. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I agree. Right. Cause unified would be like, maybe like this is consistent. This is a whole consistent album. Uh, but right. Unifying. Unifying in everyone's dislike of this album. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She tried to bring people together like across the political spectrum, but just brought people together in hatred of this album. Unfortunately. <laughs> it's true. People, people are, you know, like you're way more likely to become friends with someone if you share a hatred of something yeah. than sharing a, a like of something. It's true. <laughs> Ethan and I hate the same people. And that's, that's the, uh, the main part of our relationship. That's so great. I love Very that. strong. Yeah. Very strong. That's the blue. In politics, you forgive, but you never forget. Uh-huh. You bury, wait, you bear, you bury hatchets, but you keep maps of where you put them. Exactly. exactly. Oh, that's Exactly. All comes back to Taylor featuring Ed Sheeran. There you go. Which, um, oh, whatever, mind red. I can't, I was confusing Ed Sheeran and Gary Lightfoot in my mind. Uh-huh. They are very much not the same. They're not the same. <laughs> no. Um, well, that actually gets us to a new segment we are thinking of maybe trying sometimes, not always, maybe in the future. Let us know if you like it, which is very simply called, what are you listening to? Becky, <coughs> Mimi, what are you listening to? I feel like I'm not actually listening to that much lately, and it makes me sad, aside from uh, Katy Perry's Witness. <laughs> However, um, let's see, one song that I was listening to a lot and will return to that came out this fall by Kalani Alter is a great song, and I think it's probably my favorite song that's come out this year, and I'm really excited for her album, so um that's a great song if you haven't heard it yet it is it is actually very uh purposeful it's not like political but it's very it's like a very substantive song that comes from the heart so that would be a refreshing change of pace potentially a palate cleanser Mm -hmm. i've been listening to red and preparation i'm also seeing the original Broadway cast of Spring Awakening for a one night performance. So I will, I've also been listening to that soundtrack. What are you going to do to like, I'm not mentally ready. Well, what are you going to do to Leah Michelle protest Leah Michelle? 
So the stage door isn't a thing because of COVID. So, um, yeah, she's probably honestly a little sad too, because all the, the wicked stuff has come out. Um, she's not in that it's gonna, it's crazy that she's doing this and I can't wait to see her. That didn't answer my question. What am I going to do out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I haven't thought about it. All right. I, uh, I have two, I have a week. I have eight days. (laughs) I did see her trending for like polarized reasons of people either being like, yay for that or, or making fun of her for being passed up for yet another one of these roles. Did you see the tweet that was someone being like, this is my official statement on the casting, but it's just like a guy. Yeah. It was really funny. So funny. And I'll, I'll put it in the description of this episode. The last line was something like, and for the love of God, please stop invoking Leah Michelle. She gets like too much. It said something funny. Like she hasn't been famous for 30 years (laughs) and she gets too much attention. Like tweet about Anna Kendrick. She really needs it. (laughs) <laughs> that guy loves Anna Kendrick. If you look through his, his Twitter, really look through his Twitter, his like hinge, he put his hinge bio and it's like, ask me about Anna Kendrick's memoir or whatever. <laughs> Something it's really funny. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm also listening to Red in preparation, specifically the deluxe songs, because I bought Red on iTunes in 2012, TBT, iTunes, and I didn't buy the deluxe album. So for the years I listened to Red over and over and over on repeat forever, I didn't listen to the deluxe song, so I don't know them that well. Wow, Come Back Be Here is new for I you. I know. I've been listening to Come Back Be Here a lot. It's and so the moment good. I knew. Oh, it's like, it's the, all so me good. Too. The deluxe yeah, songs yeah. on that album are the best songs on that album. Well, and the worst, because there's Girl at Home. Oh, true. Girl at Home. I forgot that's the deluxe one. But yeah. Come Back Be Here, you're in London. It's like she knew. You're in London, London and a breakdown. And now, like, of course, I'm on like yeah. Swifty TikTok, but now yeah. I'm in the specific niche of of Swifty TikTok, which is just come back be here TikTok. Like every TikTok so I good. open is about come back be here. I can't wait. I know. And that's seeing... what we're listening. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm seeing a lot of. <laughs> so that's what we're listening to. But also, but what I'm seeing on Twitter is I'm yeah. seeing a lot of like uh, meme formats that are like when Taylor releases re-releases blank song not blank space to be clear like this song i will become unstoppable and i'm curious if either of you have songs like that on red aside from all too well because that's the obvious answer oh i i love all of like holy ground that's what i was gonna say i love begin again i love treacherous um i'm really worried about holy ground and state of grace not hitting as well because her voice if, has changed well I just you just never know and if they don't hit as well I'm gonna need a few days to recover and if they hit as well or better I'll be a very very happy person you'll did become you know, unstoppable yeah. did you know Chris Stapleton is also on Adele's new album no way no he's gonna have a really busy week uh next two weeks for Chris Stapleton <laughs> Chris <laughs> him. he's on um go easy on me they like do a version together on the album. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Chris Ableton. I, yeah, he's having a good November. I'm really happy for Chris Stapleton. I guess it's just his world and we're living in it. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I hear you on the re-records. I think the older the songs are of hers, the more, <laughs> you know, obviously the more like drastic the difference is like 
But anyway, um, I hear you on that because although this is different, I listened to Michelle Branch's re-record of The Spirit Room. Oh, yeah. And I did not like it, except for maybe a couple songs. I can't remember, but I thought it was a lot worse. And I'm sorry to say that. And maybe it's just my opinion, but I didn't listen to it, but I should. Yeah. See what you think, because maybe you'll like it more. Um, And maybe I've just listened to the old album like so many times in the last 20 years that it just sounds off if it's different. But it was different enough. And in a way where I was like, I'm not like, I'm not probably going to revisit this at all. But anyway. Oh, bummer. You know, I didn't see any buzz about it. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Sorry, Michelle. But I, but I'm, I appreciate that she did it. I think it's, yeah. I think it, I appreciate that she did it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that's what we're listening to. Let us know if you'd <coughs> like us to tell you that again. And we can bring this segment back as much or as little as we like to, because we get to do whatever we want because we run the show. Yay. And that's our episode today. That's our show. But of course, it's not the end of the conversation. We cannot wait to hear what you think. Um, and if you have a second and you'd like to support us, it would mean a lot for us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the B-Sides podcast. We want to connect with you. Check out the show notes to find our Instagram, Twitter, and join our Facebook group where you can link up with us and other progressives who love pop. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already, and consider supporting the B-Sides on Patreon. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. 